A word from today's sponsor. Embodia is an all-in-one platform for rehab professionals and our patients. I love using Embodia because it includes a complete practice management for charting, scheduling, billing, and online booking. Plus, Embodia has digital exercise prescription, program monitoring, secure two-way messaging, waitlist management, in-depth reporting, and so much more. As an added bonus, there's a library of continuing education courses and regular live webinars so that you can continue to learn while you build your practice. Visit EmbodiaApp.com and use the code MOMSTRENGTH to get $20 off your first month month's tier three membership. In episode 78 of Mom Strength, we're going over 10 different things to consider when you're looking for a physiotherapist or when you're looking to maybe switch to a new physiotherapist because your current one isn't working out so well for you. Before you give up on physiotherapy altogether, let's get into this episode. Welcome to Mom Strength a podcast and movement to empower, educate, and showcase mom strength inside and out. I'm your host, Surabhi Veach, physiotherapist and fitness coach, also known as The Passionate Physio. Join me for discussions on movement, mindset, and motherhood, where we raise the bar and challenge the status quo. Get ready for expert interviews and real, honest conversations where we explore physical, mental, and emotional health. Let's celebrate the beautiful diversity and common experiences in all of our journeys. Let's do this. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of Mom Strength. I'm your host, Surabhi Veej, and right off the bat, I want to say thank you for tuning into this episode. As a physiotherapist, as a pelvic physiotherapist, and an orthopedic physiotherapist with over 12 years of experience, I have accumulated 10 different things that will help you find a good physiotherapist. This applies to whether you're doing pelvic physio or orthopedic physio, so back pain, neck pain, bone joint injuries, sports injuries, arthritis, all of that good stuff. Here are 10 different signs that you should either find a new physio if the current one isn't working out for you, or just 10 different things to note when you're looking for a new physio. So often as the consumer, the client, the patient, we assume that all practitioners are made the same. That's like assuming that all restaurants are the same. Even let's say all Indian restaurants are not created the same. All Mexican restaurants are not created the same. All pelvic physios are not created the same. Let's start with diving into one of the first factors, and that's the most obvious. That's the training and experience. So Training is going to not just refer to what school they went to or how many years they've been practicing. Those are important. I went to University of Toronto for my Master's of Science in Physical Therapy, and I also have a second Master's of Clinical Science in Advanced Orthopedic Physical Therapy through the University of Western Ontario, now renamed Western University. So I have two Master's. I have over 12 years experience, right? So those are just the basics, but that doesn't tell you what my experience is in treating injuries like yours. I have a vast amount of experience treating sports injuries, orthopedic injuries, running injuries, dance injuries, neck pain, back pain. I love treating. And then I transitioned to doing more pelvic health over the last three years. Actually, since I had my um, daughter five years ago, that's what really piqued my interest in pelvic floor physical therapy because I realized, wow, I've learned about the whole whole body, but we've just learned nothing about the pelvis. When I was doing my second master's, there was a lecture with a pel- by a pelvic floor physio, and I was fascinated. I'm like, I want to learn more about this. And so that's been my experience and journey. Now, 
further, you know, beyond that, we also look at what my work experience has been, what work settings that I've worked in. I'm giving my example because I, it's me, but this is, this can apply to any physio you're, you're talking to or you're considering working with, even just looking at what work experience do they have? You know, I've, I have a hospital-based experience in the ICU and the labor and delivery ward in the emergency room. I have experience working with sports injuries, like I said before, motor vehicle accidents and workplace injuries. And I've worked a lot with athletes and also um, weekend warriors. So people who enjoy being active, but they have a full-time job, maybe a desk job, but they also really want to go running or hiking or um, join that boot camp or, you know, do the things, rock climb, do the things that they like doing for fun, the things that they're passionate about. I also have a ton of experience treating prenatal and postnatal folks. Um, And this kind of transitions into perimenopausal folks as well, because people are having babies more and more later in life. And so now we're seeing this bridge between postpartum and perimenopause. And people are, you know, in that phase, and it kind of all gels together. So I love working with prenatal, postnatal folks, uh, perimenopausal folks as well. So number one was the most obvious, what training do they have in terms of their education? What experience do they have in terms of their work experience? And obviously, this also considers their life experiences. So what other things do they hold in terms of identities do they hold? See, so for me, I'm a woman, I'm a woman of color, I'm a South Asian woman, I'm an Indian woman, I'm an immigrant, I'm a Canadian. Um, I have biracial kids, I am heterosexual, I am cisgender, um, I come from poverty. And so I have so many different life experiences that have kind of contributed to my identity. And that may help me work better with certain clients or certain people um, than somebody else who may be a straight um, cisgender, heterosexual white male who has grown up only in one country, who has very limited um, experience, both edu- you know personal experience, but also educational experience with working with people of other cultures. So that's something that I think is really important. Um, there's a lot of white supremacy culture in healthcare as well. We Many people, especially if they are of um, brown descent, you know, brown descent as a brown is one um, ethnicity, but a lot of Asians do believe um, they have internalized racism as well because many of our countries were colonized by the British and amongst other countries. But there's this sense of internalized racism. So what that means is we also believe that seeing somebody who's white is going to be a better choice for a doctor or healthcare professional. Now, that is due to internalized racism. That is not factual. And in many situations, that can actually be an impede good care being provided, particularly for Black and African-American populations during labor and birth. Outcomes are better if they have a Black doctor or a Black midwife, a Black nurse, Black healthcare professionals. Rather than, you know, we need to unpack that internalized racism as potential clients, customers, uh, patients, and understand that the person we go to seek for help is not necessarily going to be best if they're white. Um, You know, the fact that I even have to say this in 2023 is sad, but it must be sad because we don't even have, if we don't even have an awareness of our biases when we're seeking for somebody um, to work with, then we might inadvertently seek care at a certain spot. Now, that's not to say that 
you know, you have to find somebody who's from your ethnicity or culture by any means. That's just to say to be mindful that each healthcare professional holds identities that may or may not impact your care. We are all biased as healthcare professionals, as humans. So making sure that you're seeing someone who will best advocate for you and your health um, is important. And the other thing that I was going to say is um, outside of our work experience, it's also, you know, where do you volunteer or, you know, life experience in that sense as well? Um, And what are your values, right? So just because you've seen a physio doesn't mean you've seen the best physio for your situation. So if you've tried a physio already and you're like, physio doesn't work, I encourage you to try a different one um, or have a have some conversations with your physio about your needs. Cultural competence is very, very important. So this brings me to point number two. For me, I do my best to use a culturally sensitive approach to my care, not only from my own background and life experience as a woman of color, but from ongoing education and conversations on culturally sensitive, culturally, culturally sensitive practice. That's a mouthful. Um, just this morning, I attended a lecture on diabetes, preventing diabetes in South Asian um, newcomers and immigrants, right? So I am South Asian. We have the highest risk for developing diabetes. We are like on the, the risk scale from zero to 11. White people are at zero. We're at 11. Um, and so I'm really passionate about this. My grandmother had diabetes. And when she passed away, she passed away from diabetic complications. And so personally speaking, this is important to me. But also because it's not that I only specifically treat diabetic people, but everyday people can end up with blood sugar um, regulation issues or um, diabetes, prediabetes, um, you know, unexplained weight gain, extreme fatigue, frequent urination as well. Some people come to me with bladder issues, and that can be a sign of prediabetes or diabetes. So these are important for me to know as a physiotherapist, but also because culturally sensitive care and a culturally sensitive approach to working with someone is being mindful and understanding that person's risk factors to developing certain conditions, including heart disease or diabetes or mental health disorders, and not necessarily labeling them or putting them in a box because of it, but understanding that these are real risks, you know, shown (laughs) in the statistics, shown by research, so that we understand how we can best honor that person in front of us. If your physiotherapist is not recognizing your culture or even honoring your culture, your ethnicity, your race, your religion, your sexual orientation, your gender, your body size, um, your abilities, your disabilities, it's time to find a new one. And I will be the first one to say that I haven't always done this. There have been times in my clinical practice where I probably didn't even consider, oh, this person is Orthodox Jew and maybe they have certain cultural practices that I need to be aware of. It's my patients that have taught me over the years, to be honest. You know, so some of these things we don't necessarily only learn in school or through courses. We learn it through lived experience. And I'm so fortunate to live in Toronto, which is a very multicultural city. I have worked in multicultural neighborhoods, um, you know, Scarborough, downtown, um, midtown. Now I work in North York. And it's exposed me to so many different cultures and ethnicities and um, genders and sexual orientations. So just people of all kinds. And that has helped me learn. Um, So if you're working with somebody who has limited exposure to people, people of, you know, all kinds, and you're somebody who's, let's say, is transgender, and you're like, I don't know how much experience this person has, you are welcome to ask. 
and just understand that maybe you will be the first person that physiotherapists has worked with that has been openly transgender. Maybe there needs to be that education component um, that that therapist has to learn about so that they're giving you the best care possible. Or maybe they can refer you to someone who is better equipped to serve you, serve your needs. So that brings me to point number three. Your physio should listen to you and believe you. So those are two like founding principles. Let me, I guess I'll put it that way. Principles um, in my care is listening to my patients. That's why in, in my 60 minute assessment, I'm spending about 40 minutes talking, listening, asking you questions about your your life, your lifestyle, your stress, your sleep, all sorts of factors that actually impact your physical health and well, wellness and your recovery. Whether you're pregnant, you're postpartum, you've had an injury, you're experiencing pain. Many people might skip over that and be like, okay, just rub my back or just like massage this. Mm, that's not going to really get you better. It might help you feel better temporarily. And if that's your goal, if your goal is I want to feel better today just for today, sure, we can do that. But most people don't come to me just because they want to feel better for today. They're busy. They're overwhelmed. They're finally getting help. They want to feel better for good, not just for a couple moments, right? So your your physiotherapist should be listening to you and you should feel heard and you should be believed. There shouldn't be a sense of doubt of like, mm, are you sure you're in this much pain? Because pain is subjective. And if your pain experience is telling you you have eight out of 10 pain, who am I to judge that you don't, right? I have to believe you. I believe you. So this seems very obvious, but there are many physiotherapists from that I've either worked with or my clients have told me about where they don't feel believed and then they feel like they have to keep fighting to prove that they're in pain or that they have symptoms. And there are some times where, the pain can't be necessarily explained by something mechanical in nature. And so I do think a multidisciplinary approach is best to manage pain. Physiotherapists are not experts in pain management, y'all. That's why we have amazing medications. We have doctors. We have naturopaths. We have um, osteopaths, acupuncturists, all sorts of other you know, holistic rehab professionals that also offer pain management solutions. But pharma is often very, very impactful in managing pain. Physiotherapists Physiotherapy is fantastic in not managing acute pain, but preventing the recurrence of pain, managing injury, and helping you bring your pain down long term, um, as well as in the short term, just not in the immediate snap my fingers, get rid of my pain kind of thing, right? There are some times where I absolutely can do that for you or help you do that for yourself, but there's a misconception that physiotherapies, physiotherapists will, you know, snap their fingers or like rub your back in the right way and just like fix all of your pain. Um, and that's not necessarily true. Okay. The other thing is that many um, physiotherapists will not, um, will give you a standard treatment. So what I mean by that is they're like, oh, you're postpartum, you're six weeks postpartum, perfect. We're going to run through these tests and we're going to give you these standard exercises that I give to all of my postpartum patients. And you might think, what's wrong with that? That's not necessarily bad. But here's the thing. Whether you had a vaginal birth or cesarean birth is a little different. Um, the exercises may be a bit different. Whether you had a first degree tear, second degree tear, third degree tear, fourth degree degree tear or no tearing, that's going to also impact what we do. Your pain, your pelvic floor symptoms, your life, how many kids you've had, so many things are going to impact which exercises I give you and also what you like and what you don't like. So if your physiotherapist is just stamping out a blanket handout here, your postpartum, without even evaluating what are your goals, like if I'm treating somebody who wants to return back to triathlons and marathon running, you bet my 
return to um, exercise postpartum plan is going to be very different than somebody who's like, I just want to get back to um, going for walks. Not that there's anything wrong with walks or that it's better to have, you know, more prestigious goals. Um, But your physio should look different depending on who you are, right? Um, Just because the physiotherapist is an expert, so-called expert in what we do, it does not mean that we're an expert in you or your body or your goals. So this is why we ask, and this goes back to that point about listening to my clients and believing them. Um, I believe that my clients are the experts of their bodies, and I'm just here to guide you. And this is why I think my clients actually see better results, because I don't pretend that I'm going to be the fixer of everything, fixer of everything. I don't even think my clients' bodies need to be fixed. They're not broken. They're full, whole human beings with problems, and I help them find solutions to their problems. So that brings me to um, my next point. You should never feel like your body is broken. Your physiotherapist should not make you feel like, ooh. You know when people make facial expressions like, ooh, that's really bad. Or like, ooh, see that creaking in your knee? That's bone on bone. Like terms like that actually induce more fear. And I think that we low-key all have some element of health-related anxiety. We're still coming to terms with terms with our mortality. We're like scared of our bodies failing us. And so when your healthcare pr- practitioner is telling you all these scary-sounding things, it's easy for you to go into a more heightened state of stress, anxiety, worry, concern, which then spikes cortisol, which then spikes pain, inflammation, and that feed forward loop of stress, pain, um, and anxiety, right? So your physiotherapist should ideally be a calming presence, not somebody who's just going to lie to you and say everything's all fine if it's not, but also not somebody who's going to induce more fear in your life, okay? Um, They shouldn't be making you feel broken at all. They should be calm, reassuring at all times. Um, And I'm a no-nonsense kind of person in the sense that I'm not going to, you know, tell you um, things will just get better in two days. I'll be honest about how long the recovery will take. But I'll also be honest that the proof is in the pudding. You will improve over time. Your strength will improve over time if you do X, Y, Z. Your mobility will improve over time. These are some strategies that can help you get there. You don't need to be exercising five times a week if you can't fit it in into your life when you're postpartum. But here's how you're going to get there, right? So they should be giving you a plan. Um, So that brings me to my next point. You should be getting some sort of a plan of or an idea of like what we're going to be doing in our session. Um, And I always like to kind of give that like, okay, next session we'll review this and then we'll add in exercises for XYZ or we'll touch base on this topic so that the person knows when they're coming back, whether they're seeing me in person or virtually, they know what they're seeing me for and they know that they're not just like, randomly coming back for appointments for the rest of their life because many physiotherapists and many chiropractors especially will do that yeah just come back every week for a 15 minute visit and we'll just crack your back or we'll throw in some acupuncture needles um you know and then we'll call it a day and if that's the type of approach that you enjoy fantastic but if you actually want some type of a rehabilitative approach where you're taking some you know, ownership of your body, doing some movement, doing some exercise, being involved in your own um, rehabilitation journey, then we don't need to be seeing you week after week for the rest of your life, okay? So you should have some sort of planned plan. And I do see clients, you know, often for 
months and years. And that's usually for ongoing strength training support. Because there are people who are like, you know what, I do best when I have an appointment booked with someone and I do best when um, I already am seeing someone. So I don't have to, you know, figure it out all by myself. That's what they're seeing me for. If it's for pain management or symptom management, for example, like urinary leakage, prolapse, those symptoms do improve over time. Um, and it shouldn't take years for those symptoms to change, right? Unless there's a serious neurological issue or um, tissue issue. In which case, we often consider adjunct treatments like a pessary use or um, medical support as well, right? Okay, let's recap the points that we've gone over so far. The obvious stuff, the training and experience, um, life experience, and the lived experience, Um we talked about using a culturally sensitive approach. That was point number two. We talked about listening to your clients and believing them. The person, um, the physiotherapist that you're working with should be listening to you and believe you as the client or the, the patient. Um, it should be, number four is the care should be tailored to you. It should not be a random set of exercises that are just given to everyone. It should be tailored to you. Um, the next one is they shouldn't make you feel like your body is broken or plant fear or doubt in your body. The next one is it shouldn't take months and years to see improvements. Often it just takes a few sessions. We can't guarantee that everything will be fine in two sessions, but we know that things should see some change at least. Um, and that, you know, evidence supports strength training strength training takes at least 12 weeks to start to see results in hypertrophy, muscle size change. And consistency beyond that is important to sustain those results. So telling someone that this will get better in three weeks, if it's a strength issue, strength related issue is not fair either. So we do want to be realistic that it will take a while, but it shouldn't take like years on end or like nine months to see any change, right? Um, Okay, that brings me to my next point. You don't need to perfect your exercises before you progress your treatment. So you don't have to get your squat perfect before you add more weight or you do the next series of exercises. You don't have to perfect your Kegels for months on end before you then start to do movement in the upright plane. I see this happen a lot. Unfortunately, still happening so much with you know, clients have already seen a pelvic physiotherapist locally. Maybe they live outside of Toronto or maybe live in, you know, somewhere else. Um, I do virtual coaching as well. So I have many American clients and they were told to do Kegels. And because their Kegels weren't five out of five, they weren't perfect strength. They weren't allowed to progress their um, exercises beyond that. Yet all the while this person is carrying their babies, carrying groceries, climbing stairs, maybe running after their kids, doing things that are way, way harder than Kegels. So if we're then telling them, oh no, you're not ready for XYZ because your Kegels aren't perfect, that feeds back into that other point that I made about making your body feel like it's broken when it's actually not, right? So you don't need to perfect your exercises because unless your goal is performance related, or, you know, I want to have a perfect uh, leg extension because I'm, uh, you know, in a competition. Most people aren't. Most people are just trying to live their lives, have a good time. And we all squat, we all bend, we all twist differently. It doesn't have to look a perfect way. There is no perfect. There's just perfect for your body at this moment, right? Um, and then along that point, the next point I want to make is you don't need 100 different exercises each week. 
A select few key exercises can go a long way and less is more because we are already overwhelmed and too busy in our society and we don't have the mental capacity to be like, okay, what exercises to do next? You know, oh, what am I going to do on leg day, arm day, back day, core day? If that works for you right now, fantastic. But for many of my, you know, people who are getting older, maybe in their middle ages, or they have kids, or they have, you know, they're running a business, or they have very busy jobs and lives, I suggest doing one workout, one to three to four times that week. And then next week, switch it up. So that way, that whole week, you just have to, the mental load is just one, right? And pick five to seven different exercises that you do, warm up, cool down, and before and after that, and stick to that. My base fitness membership is exactly this. You get seven different exercises, two lower body, two upper body, and three core and glute, which of course, everything is activating your core and pelvic floor and everything, but you know, more of a circuit style at the end. So you're getting a bit of cardiovascular burn, you're getting full body strengthening, mobility, stretching. Um, and at the end, we do affirmation. So there's a bit of that mindfulness piece. So I wouldn't give all the exercises at once. I do about seven, right, in my in my workout. And it only takes half an hour. So don't feel if your physiotherapist is giving you like I had a client and she she was like, hey, I saw another physio. Here's a handout she gave me. She'd done one visit with this physio and there was like 26 different exercises on this handout. Like who is that helping? Nobody. I have experience with movement. But if I was to read a handout and try to figure out what to do, it would not be easy. I would rather show you a few at a time, work on it, and then we progress, right? It doesn't mean that eventually you won't have more than three or seven exercises. It just means that right away you shouldn't be being bombarded or overwhelmed with too much, right? Okay. This, um, you know, brings me to my next point with exercise is your physiotherapist should not shame or guilt you if you don't do your exercises. I probably have in early in my career kind of almost been a bit condescending or preachy, right? You should be doing your exercises. Come on, you know better. That type of like jokingly, but also kind of condescending approach. And over the years, through my own experience, I have learned that sometimes we have the best intentions, but we just don't get around to them. Mental health is a huge factor. Neurodivergence is a huge factor. My ADHD moms, you know, they often struggle to get started, but once they do, they're rocking it but that barrier to get started can feel extra hard for them Um, and there's trouble maintaining consistency but that doesn't mean that just because you're somebody who finds it hard to get started or maybe you have a ADHD or neurodivergence just because of that does not mean you can't also make progress that's why I'm here on your team to help you in a way that actually works for you and your lifestyle and one of my clients who has ADHD loves my base fitness membership because she's like it's short it's doable you give you know short quick video instructions so I don't have to watch this whole video which is how I started my base fitness membership, but I switched it recently to a model where each exercise has individual video um, descriptions so that it's easy for my clients to just get to the workout as quickly as possible with less barrier. Because with, especially with neurodivergence, but even without, we're so distracted in our society. And if you're sitting around having to watch this whole thing, it's very easy to get bored or pay attention to something else. So I like to make it as easy as possible for my clients to get to their workouts, whether I work with you one-on-one as a physiotherapist um, or whether you work with me in my base fitness membership. 
Okay, so no shame, no guilting. And if you induce shame yourself, if you're self-shaming, your physiotherapist needs to be able to recognize that and also work with you to help reduce that shame and dial it down rather than amplify that shame, right? Y'all, I I can tell you personally, there's many times that I intend to do things like I need to go to bed early, I need to wake up at this time. And I don't, right? So don't feel like, you know, you're the only one who has these problems. Many of us do, even the healthcare professionals. I work with doctors, nurses, we all struggle with the same issues. Um, So please, let's remove that shame from yourself. Okay, the last point that I wanted to make is I treat the whole person, not just the injury not just the symptoms, not just the fact that you had a baby, right? So what I mean by that is your physiotherapist should not be looking at you as a walking prolapse client, as a incontinence client. Yes, sometimes that helps us categorize in our head, but you should be known for you first. You know, I'm seeing Monera today. I'm seeing, you know, Hoover today. So these things matter. Why? Because when you're seeing someone, it's not just their symptoms that matter. It's who they are. What stress are they having? What's their culture? If Does that play a significance in their lives? Is there, does their religion play a significance in their life? Do they have a supportive partner? Do they even have a partner? Do they even have a family support? Are they here by themselves? Are they a newcomer? Are they living by themselves in an unstable home environment? So there are so many factors into what makes a person them. Um, and I like to try to see... Treat the person, not the problem or the concern. Because when I get to know you and all the factors that impact your life, I can direct, I I can better directly address the root cause of your symptoms rather than if I just say, oh, you have um, back pain. Let's just massage the back, do some acupuncture and give you specifically back exercises versus realizing that, oh, you also you, you reported a history of gut issues. You reported a history of constipation. You reported a history of trauma. All of these things can also impact your back pain. So if we don't discuss this, if I don't refer you to the right specialist, maybe a dietitian, mental health support, if I don't do those things, then maybe you're not going to get as better as you can, right? As good as you can. So that's something that I find to be really, really important is to treat the person, not the uh, not the condition. And, you know, this is, this is also key because especially in pelvic health, not all of my clients want or even need an internal pelvic floor examination. Sometimes it's not culturally, um, there's stigma around that. And of course, we can work to disband the stigma and the shame around internal, you know, the pelvic area, the pelvic examinations and all those all those things. But if right now in this moment, they are not ready for that, they do not have to ever have an internal examination. And so when you're treating the person in front of you versus trying to coerce them, I've seen physios try to coerce somebody, oh, this will be good for you. It's okay. It's not shameful. Okay. But at the same time, if you're not listening to the person in front of you, I had a client and she's Muslim, and she does not feel comfortable, you know, undressing in a room and, you know, with potentially people outside and there's male clients, you know, there's a lot of feeling of threat or uncertainty in those environments. And that's going to impact what your pelvic exam is going to tell you anyways. Seeing her virtually has been so much more effective for her. She's like, I'm actually seeing huge improvements in in my pain, in my leaks. And 
that's part of that culturally sensitive approach and also seeing the whole person and not just the symptom, right? So those are my 10. And I think I may have even had 11 different points. I hope this conversation helps you when you're looking for your own physiotherapist, not just for pelvic floor issues, but for any issues. And this, I would say, I could argue would apply to many other professions as well. Don't be afraid to interview your practitioner in front of you because we serve you. And I love when people ask me questions and why and how do I, you know, change this? And they want to be active participants in their health because that makes my job so much more effective as well is when we actually have a collaboration and a team approach rather than you coming to me because I'm the expert and I just tell you what to do, right? You are the expert of your own body. And the more you believe that, the better your physiotherapy experience will get. The other thing I wanted to say is don't be afraid to switch physiotherapists if it's not working out for you. Many physiotherapists are known to be great. We have great personalities generally. We're kind. We're caring. So it can be really tough when you're already seeing somebody who you have good rapport with personally. You're like, I love this person. They're so cool. But they're not helping me. You know, that kind of can feel sticky, of a bit of a sticky situation. Please never put our feelings over your own. Please take care of yourself. I have had clients for sure in my career who have said, you know what, Serbi's great, but I don't, I'm not getting the results I want with her. So I'm going to go elsewhere. And I am okay with that. That's a learning lesson for me. But it's also goes to show that we cannot help every single human that comes in front of us. And this is why there's many hundreds and thousands of practitioners worldwide. This is why we don't try to be saviors and claim we help every single human in the world. And we have specific people that we um, we love working with and that love working with us. And it's a good fit for on both ends. And that's when the magic happens. And if it's not a good fit, please, please, please don't be afraid to hurt feelings or just say, you know what, I'm going to take a break for now. I'll, I'll be back, um, it, you know, if and when I need to. No hard feelings at all. Um, it doesn't mean we won't like you. And it doesn't mean that if you come back later on that we'll like you any less, right? We totally respect that. Um, or we should. <laughs> I respect that. Maybe not every, every, I can't speak for every single physiotherapist out there. Okay. So if you need support, I work in Toronto, Ontario. So I offer imperfect, imperfect, in person pelvic physiotherapy. I also work virtually all across Ontario as a physiotherapist, both orthopedic and pelvic physiotherapist. And before you um, ask, no, I do not have to see your vulva on screen. We don't do any of that. You keep your clothes on. Um, and I also offer virtual fitness coaching worldwide. A lot of my clients are in the US, Canada, some are in the UK, India, Korea. So I have many ways I can support you one-on-one. And I also have my base fitness membership. If you're looking for fitness support that meets you where you are in your pregnancy, postpartum, um, or if you have pelvic health symptoms that you're managing, but you also want to start to lift weights or get strong. And I'm not talking giant weights, barbells, that kind of stuff. If you can have access to that, fantastic. But most people just have access to dumbbells or kettlebells, and that is sufficient. You can still get strong and feel better and manage your symptoms with just that. I will share the links to that in the link um, in the show notes. But if you're looking for me, I'm at www.thepassionatephysio.ca. That's CA for Canada. So www.thepassionatephysio.ca. And if you want to book with me, it's my website, www.thepassionatephysio.ca forward slash book dash with 
Surabi. Surabi is my my name. S-U-R-A-B-H-I is how you spell it. Again, www.thepassionatephysio.ca forward slash book dash with dash Surabi. So that's my booking page. But if you go on my Wayne website, you'll you'll find my booking page from there as well. If you enjoyed this conversation and you're like, you know what, I know so many people are going to physio complaining they're not getting better, go share this episode with them. It's a bit of a long one. It's about 36 minutes or so. Um, So you don't have to listen to it all at once. But I do thank you for making it all the way to the end. Um, I think that the more people are empowered with this knowledge, the better they can select physios that will actually help them feel better. And this is not to throw shade on any physio out there who may be not practicing in this way. This is just my opinion. Um, And this is also goes to say that there are many different approaches to physiotherapists and there's physiotherapy and there's something for everyone. There are some people who just want their back rubbed and have an ultrasound machine strapped on them or, you know, machine strapped on onto them. That's fine. That's what they want. They will find a physio who works with them. I use a more active and movement-based approach um, and strategy coaching-based approach. And there are people who are so desperate for that approach. And that's who I absolutely love supporting. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Mom Strength and being part of this important conversation. Check out the show notes for more info and links, and we'll chat again real soon.